Welcome to the Frito Show. This one is a bit different than my normal ones. Uh, Merita Mortensen and me organized an exhibition uh, and a panel talk around the theme of the artist's curator. It, the pre-talk took place on the 19th uh, of October, where we sat uh, together um, you know, to get to know each other and to present ourselves. And the main talk where we discussed um, you know, the role of the artist curator uh, was held on the 20th of October 2016. Uh, both at the National Academy of the Arts in Oslo. So we invited three artist curators from Los Angeles and three artist curators from Oslo. From LA, Paul Payment, Max Presnell and Carl Burke. And from Oslo we invited Jan Christensen, Ragnhild Amos and Hanan Benanmar. Uh, from Kio uh, we invited Rike Frank as a moderator. This is our preparation for the main talk, where everybody presents themselves. Uh, try to remember the voices, since in the second one we forgot to do the small int uh, introduction. I hope you will enjoy our talk. Yes, I think this is yeah. this is why, and, and we're not sure who is on the top level of the curator. Oh, <laughs> Right, true. <laughs> flat, flat uh, organization. Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> flat as the table. All right. So, so we're recording now, so that should give a good tip. Yeah, oh, yeah. so we don't hear it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't hear it. Now, how is the game? I mean, if they're going to stay like this, you should probably put it up a bit. I can. I can. What's the range? Is it? So if people are talking now, That's are you perfect. picking it up? That's yeah. yeah. And without sort of like noisy, noisy. Yeah, you can uh, listen to it. Can someone yeah. say something? Can someone speak? Testing. Okay. One, two, if you could say something, because <laughs> you're the Can sign. you hear me, Ramdil? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you see? This guy so knows good. what he's doing. He does. But it's yeah, so even though it looks chaotic, it's, there's some system behind <laughs> there's it. There's system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But are there some voices that are going to sound muted or much lower than other voices? Hanon's like voice is like actually this? quite weak in this recording, so maybe she oh. needs to uh, get closer. Oh, you can move the mic. Yeah, you have to turn the mic around because you're yes. directing the mic towards us. That kind of does a big. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, that's like oh that, that helps. Yes, that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Then you're. Oh, right. oh, so it's like the heart yeah. is on the other side. Yeah. So this only records on one side. It doesn't do it on two. Sides. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a cardioid. Okay. okay. Yeah. So Meret was doing an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> let's start all over again. Now we're, we're, we're yeah. perfectly set up, and uh, that's also why I wanted to do this today, so just to get all these small technical stuff figured out. And, yeah. And also because actually we could probably use a similar setup tomorrow. I mean, like if these are capturing the sound well enough. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. And uh, what I want to do tomorrow is then do a double double uh, sound. So I'm yeah. recording this one and then recording the later. Mm. So mm. yeah, But of course, if you figure out how to use the larger one, it's mm. also possible. But I, I think maybe I will sometimes, figure it out sometimes it's better to just go with the solution you yeah. are familiar with. One question: This my drawing affect the recording? Do you hear any... Some little I sabotage? The, yeah, I do. <laughs> is, it, is it ruining the sound? Yeah. I, think I think it's enhancing I think it's, it. I think yeah. it's good. <laughs> Context. Yeah. yeah. No, I think okay. it's, uh, that's pretty nice. fine. <clears throat> okay, good. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. So, so uh, this, this whole thing started a bit also because both Mehed and me have been organizing and curating shows uh, quite a bit, but we really come from two different worlds. I, I really come from... The artist world, and I, I hardly call myself curator. You know, uh, I'm more an organizer, maybe. 
and uh, Mariette is more from the curatorial uh, uh, side. Uh, uh, and uh, and this idea of uh, it is maybe a bit more conceptual approach and a bit more pragmatic approach. You know, the pragmatic approach more for the the artist curator and maybe the more conceptual approach for the curator. And anyways, out of that tension field, kind of this show kind of evolved. You can say, yeah. Yeah, we wanted to invite different kinds of artist curators from <clears throat> both from here and from Los Angeles to have this meeting and this uh, discussion about the artist curatorial field today. How different approaches, different strategy, and the different reasons for doing this. And uh, we also wanted to use that opportunity, since we have these spaces, also to, to to for you guys to curate within this <laughs> uh, exhibitions. And uh, yeah. Now we're almost there <laughs> with both exhibitions and all the participants are together. So this is more like to get to know each other, this uh, mm. round of recordings. Mm. Now <coughs> maybe we can all just yeah, say a Introduction. Bit yeah. yeah, I would suggest that we take like just a round also for the recording to just like present our names. Yes. Maybe Definitely. both what we do as artists and what we do has do have done or just like briefly like what is the engagement as a curator into... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a great You want to start, Let's hear it. Sure. Uh, so, my name is Ragnhild Omos. Uh, in my art, I work with uh, text, uh, readings, and with sculptures, also with photography. And I'm, in addition to having run the Open Forum here at the Art Academy when I was a student, I'm now running uh, Podium, which is an artist-run space uh, just across a river from where we are now, um, where we have uh, both uh, done like uh, very fundamental maintenance work on the space itself and relaunched it with a, prob- um, with a program called Oslo is Burning, consisting of both exhibitions, lectures, and reading groups, where we are mainly working with younger artists, giving them both technical and conceptual advice while they are working to make their exhibitions in our space. And um, on top of that, I can probably also say that I'm, uh, I have both been running reading groups since my uh, since I graduated from the MA program here and from uh, Master in London, uh, dealing with uh, exhibition histories, so not curation as such, but the history of how exhibitions has been formed and just looking into what would a history look like if you take the, not the art piece, not the artist, and not the institution, but the uh, size of the exhibition throughout history as your study object. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the mic? <laughs> uh, it's here. Speak loudly. So my name is Jan Jan Christensen, and uh, I am uh, I'm um, an artist curator, or I've been curating shows. Uh, actually, I did my f- the c- I curated my very first show before I did any of my own shows as an artist. I got the opportunity to to do that uh, early on. Uh, in when I worked for Atle Garage in his gallery, um, I showed an, an, another art academy student called Kalle Runeson back in the days in 1999, I think. In a solo show, I, I was able to, to make with him. 
Uh, and uh, I have, you know, for a long time I was thinking, should I, should I try out doing uh, gallery work? Like, should I start a gallery or run a gallery or should I curate more or do you want to do art? But I always had this sort of, you know, I, the art, all, I always came back to making art as well. And I didn't feel I could com combine all these positions at the same time. But I, I've been fortunate and been asked to curate things now and then. Mm. Uh, probably because I, I'm, I, I almost, I feel like sometimes I feel like I see more art than I, I spend more time looking at art than I get to make art sometimes. Mm. So, and I'm really, and I enjoy seeing new art, young artists, new stuff, uh, <clears throat> learning about this before <coughs> they are, you know, everyone else knows about it. I enjoy that part of the art scene. It's a where you know there's a lot of strange stuff happening, and I like that when things are more experimental and weird. And uh, um, yeah, um, I support you know the more marginal, weird parts of the art scene. I, I feel like those are important to support and uh, and, and uh, communicate or mediate. <coughs> so that's how I. Uh, that's my that's my been my position forever for for a long time like since uh, since I quit school in 2000, mm. so that's 16 years ago. Mm. Um, been living in Berlin and in Oslo and doing a lot of residencies, traveling a lot, met artists. Uh, been really yeah, been enjoying this life in way. <laughs> yeah, very much, very much. That's important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Anna? Oh, you want to ask this? <laughs> yeah, I have a oh, we, can, we can switch to Paul if you want. Yeah, maybe that's better, so it makes mm. a yeah, yeah, sure. dynamic of Paul, you know, which is yeah. 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 Uh, not even which you are. <laughs> by effects. Um, my name is Paul Payment, and uh, I'm from Los Angeles. And <clears throat> um, I have no aspirations to be a curator, and I never have. Um, I was... Uh, trained as an artist, I practice. I've had a studio practice. I exhibit on a regular basis. That's the focus of what I do, what I want to do. My aspirations are there, um, but I also work for an institution as a professor. So I teach drawing and painting, and um, part of my my teaching load was to run the art gallery at our college, and. Um, while I was running the art gallery, it became successful and became um, recognized. And the administration wanted to do more. They, so they, they gave us more funding. They moved us to a central location. They gave us a larger space, um, which gave me more headaches. <laughs> but uh, because it, it just meant that I was spending more and more time there and doing that. Um, I did it for the first run for... 14 years, I think, about 14 years, then I quit for a couple of years, and then I did it again recently for a year and a half, and now recently I've stopped doing it. Um, it just, it became way too consuming, um, and I, it just was not where my passion and my focus was. Um, so I, I think I kind of wanted to get that out there because I think if so much of our discussion is going to be about um, survival and about survival strategies mm -hmm. and so I wanted to say that my position was coming from somebody I was um, it was part of my day job mm -hmm. and so I was, I was happy to do it but it wasn't what I really wanted to focus yeah. my my work on 
Thanks. Carl, Carl comes from a different position. Oh, this is my turn. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I've been um, working in galleries, uh, curating um, for over 30 years. So I, I primarily focused on that uh, um, up until a few years ago where I, I really kind of went back into creating artwork. Uh, I'd always kind of done it in spurts. Every 10 years I would get productive and then quit. And, but, uh, but I professionally worked and earned my living doing curating and selling art. So, uh, you know, I've done probably over 150 shows. Uh, I just did a few shows in Holland that I put together, uh, one uh, with uh, LA artist Jeremy Kidd, another one with Lynn Aldridge at a gallery. So most people in LA uh, and in Holland and places that I've had some interaction know me as a curator. So, uh, so this, uh, but, uh, but I've always been, you know, compelled to make things. Um, it's, it's, I think putting a show together is, is also like making something, but then when the show's over, then there's nothing left, you know? So it, it just it becomes this memory. So uh, for me, making work sort of has a different kind of play about this idea. Um, it's funny you mentioned the memory because this is the paper here is actually kind of the portraying of the memory of, of what you've been doing. And, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Well, and it's, so it's an interesting thing because I'm, I deal with it all the time. I mean, most of my career was pre-internet, you know, so, or pre, you know, websites that, that didn't really, galleries weren't really even doing websites or until after 2000. So I, I have many, many years, some great shows that are really not part of the history. And so I need to spend some time and money and maybe finding all those things that I've done and putting them on because I feel like you don't really have a presence uh, without having it on the internet. And so, uh, and I think this is a really interesting problem. I think for students, um, for people that are not understanding of a world without the internet. And so, if it doesn't exist on the internet, I think for a lot of people it, it doesn't exist. So I think these are very interesting things um, that are practical dilemmas for people that have, are older. You know, they have done things before the internet. Um, so, um, you know, there's another thing. If you don't mind me yeah. interrupting you, um, <coughs> you also ran. You had your own gallery for a number of years, and I don't think you mentioned that, but that I think that's a really important part of mm. what you do, is Carl Berg Fine Art. Um, and, and it was a really successful gallery for a number of years. Yeah, yeah, so I had my own gallery for six years that uh, got a lot of reviews, uh, some good sales, launched uh, the career of a number of artists. Um, it was sort of the golden age, probably, of what I have done uh, in terms of uh, exposure and you know getting things out there. 
although I did do some other interesting things as a uh, independent curator. But, uh, but I, I find it really interesting now that I'm sort of delving into my own work in a more serious way is that I'm finding the process that I make work with and the way I think about it has a lot to do with sort of the organizational skills and the, uh, the contacts that I have. Uh, and I think that's where my work will go. I mean, it might not be so reflected when you look at it, but if you see a larger body of this work, you'll understand that it's created out of an interaction with people in the art community. And I think that makes sense for me to, like Paul's really great at making things, you know, and so that is so different than, because my sort of function in the art world is, is more about interacting with people. Mm. And so I think that has to come out of the work. And uh, you feel that uh, being on the, the side of the artists suddenly. Like uh, before we go into right. discussion, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. maybe uh, maybe Hanan wants to do this quick introduction, and we can dive yeah. into the. Uh, sorry about that. No, it's okay. Uh, oh, sorry. Did you get shot? Yeah, it's okay. I always get this way. Uh, no, but you were not dumb. Sorry. Wait, well, I can go on forever as Paul can <laughs> So Don't uh, get in a phone conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, go, go ahead. <laughs> I can come back to... Uh, uh, it's, okay. A, it's okay, Hamam. Maybe... Because uh, yeah. then we have the introduction on then we can maybe dive into more... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I would also like to hear you. you yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a small yeah. talk. Yeah, sure. Of course. Uh, yes, so my name is Hanan Benamar. I um, was born in France. I'm French-Algerian and I've been living in Norway for five years and a half. Very painful years. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> very comfortable years, you actually. You seem to be very uh, well accustomed and uh, know everyone. Uh, well, so um, actually I've been organizing stuff uh, before I worked as an artist. I mean, I've, I've always been at school. Uh, I mean, I straight after high school and stuff, I went directly to the fine arts. And while I was there, I was um, really not into producing objects and stuff like that. So I started to work with people that were more into like invisible gestures and performative works. And while I was doing that or reflecting on doing that, I've been organizing gigs mostly like concerts with uh, often from I mean at the beginning with uh, inspired by my travels uh, so I organized gigs with like traditional Mongolian music or also like metal Mongolian music and stuff like that in places that don't exist anymore uh, one of them was called La Miroiterie it was uh, the oldest uh, squatted uh, house sure. in Paris no, it has been. It, uh, it closed down. I mean, it doesn't exist. So, and also the school I used to be doesn't exist anymore. So, <laughs> um, because of lots of political uh, decisions in Paris that has happened the recent, in the recent years. So ideological decisions, not budget based. And then I moved here, and um, and then I could see the great work of Ragnil Omos, uh, who was doing open form at the time, and. And then I took over with uh, Thiago Boom, who is also uh, working as an artist curator, actually, because he curated with Ayat this uh, Asian, uh, Central Asian pavilion mm. in, in Venice. And Ayat is also co-running Podium. With exactly. Me. So it's a, 
I kind of found my little family here somehow. And um, so then yeah, I took over with Tiago OpenForm and we decided to deconstruct the way it was organized by running our own program and excluding uh, all the guests from the teachers. So we were very mean. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, did several exhibitions around that and invited uh, different poets and musicians. Because I also work as a musician and my whole background before I went to fine arts was actually music. So I studied classical music for since I'm five, so I guess that's quite a long time now. <laughs> and uh, so when I moved here, yeah, I continued to do all this stuff, and then I was out of school, and then I realized I had to do artworks as well. Mm. And, <laughs> and then... And that's um, when you also became an organizer. Yeah, so yeah. I, I would not call myself as a curator, because I don't really have this... I don't know what to say, but there is something that makes curators very special compared to just being an organizer, I would say. So, and I can't really speak for on their behalf, I would say. So I can't really speak as a creator or something. But I, I've been organizing a lot of stuff. And also the peep show and all these kind of things that was at school and um, again, deconstructing stuff using the <laughs> fire alarm as a microphone, <laughs> all this stuff was really fun. Uh, but in the real world, it's not like that. The school is a very safe place to be. Yeah. And it opens lots of possibilities. And you think that the world is like that. But when you're out, it's not like that. But uh, well, but my work as an artist, uh, um, I haven't been really into like producing objects, I would say. But I was more like producing situations. And not very interested in geopolitical issues and war zones and mostly desert areas, empty spaces, and stuff like that. So I continue to do, uh, my first solo show was actually only in 2015 because I was also very skeptical in the exhibition format for many years. And um, it's a lifelong project. So it's projects that I've started like five years ago or something and I'm still continuing it, collecting desert seeds and <laughs> collecting stories and uh, recording people and traveling a lot in places that it's hard to find people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Home and dry. <laughs> Home and dry. <laughs> and um, and uh, as a little entertainment for myself, uh, I continued also to organize stuff. And, and I love gathering people around a good meal. And, um, so, and I think I'm quite persistent in doing that. Like, although it's been very difficult to find spaces to do that, mm. such as for the winter solstice that happens once a year during the night, dealing with fire regulations and like things that you don't want to deal with. Uh, now it's going to be the fifth year jubileum this, this year in December, recalling pagan rituals as always and, um, and things that inspired me a lot are like things that happened in the 60s, I guess, or the 70s, yeah. like the annual festival of New York, for example, by Child Woman and, you know, places where lots of, less like this, what I like specifically is having this uh, this uh, crossing point of all the sort of uh, different arts, like not only visual arts, but also like the music scene with like noise, uh, contemporary experimental music or theater, experimental theater, performative stuff and uh, poetry readings and uh, weird stuff happening. Sometimes I'm like, years later, I'm like, what was that? Mm. Uh, it was very strange. But so it's what I like to do. And uh, I'm running this, Vandala for so it means literally Vandals Association, 
And uh, it's, I found a space last year, and we're still there, even though we are uh, most, I mean, threatened to be kicked out. But uh, it's a little wooden house, very quiet and, and nice. And we, we do the same than the, at the solstice, but just much more diluted and much more quiet in some ways. And we hope that we will continue to do it. And with a residency program as well and stuff like that. And yeah, that's it. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, before we start, Ricky, could we ask you also to do, uh, since you're the moderator tomorrow, you want to do a small introduction? Sure. Could, could you over? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yes, perfect. Okay. I'm not an artist. <laughs> I'm, um, my background is film film uh, history, film theory. Mm, I started uh, programming video programs, film programs uh, for movie theaters as well as festivals as well as galleries in the 90s. And um, I think it was just this kind of thing that you feel, oh I want to see this one more time. I want to see this for a longer time. I want to see this for more than one night, even so it is the pleasure to do something for one, you know, just for once. That kind of uh, led to this change in formats uh, from programming film and video to moving slowly into the space and doing shows. I then uh, worked um, um, for many years in Vienna, in Austria, um, in particular for uh, the secession in Vienna, when an artist run organization. It's a very old one. Yeah. Mm. It is a, a very old one, yeah. yeah. Um, founded uh, at the end of the 19th century. It's not just a very old one, it's also kind of a very well-known one, and it's uh, also known as one of the first white cubes, mm. um, if not the first white cube. That talking about exhibition histories, that's one of the battles, the interesting ones. And it's also talking about exhibition history, it's very interesting because there is some kind of informal exhibition history when you talk about the secession because obviously the artists, um, they know their peers, they love their mm. peers and um, they hand over the exhibition space from one to the other. Mm. So um, there is, you know, like hidden... Hidden continuity or Hidden continuities, hidden kind of referencing, forms of referencing. Um, uh, I just mentioned this because um, we just did a conference on exhibition histories last week and um, we will continue in January so it oh. is a yes here at the uh, no it was at Fridwood mm -hmm. and um, the second part will follow now here at mm -hmm. Kiel and yes. on in January I hope I'm here. I was in Vancouver last time, so yeah. it would be really nice. Uh, yes, I'd love to talk about this more. 
So um, I worked at, but the reason why I'm mentioning this is because um, we will talk about this tomorrow, but the question is also obviously like, <coughs> what is that, the creator? Um, and what is, yeah, um, yeah, what are these different roles? And are we actually really interested in the different roles or are we interested in um, the actions or are we interested in this field, rather, that is created um, by the interaction in between the different roles and objects and yeah. actions and histories and so on. So, um, because putting together something that is one thing um, but then also the question obviously is like how how we are putting things together and that is maybe then also the difference between organizing and mm -hmm. uh, unfolding something in space, an idea into the space or into space and time mm -hmm. for a longer period of time. Um, yeah. So I'm saying this because I think I'm socialized um, as a creator by working in an artist-run institution mm. and that was very, very important yeah. and still is. Mm. If that adds something to the discussion Absolutely. tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. 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 Thank you. No, thank uh, you for the invitation. Yeah, it's really nice that you... Uh, I see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so we'll start... Uh, so maybe oh we yeah. can yeah. have the two of you as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Mariette Mortensen, and uh, I went to Oslo um, and Oxford University College, mm -hmm. where I was uh, both trained as an artist and in artist nation. But I never had my own... Uh, I never started exhibiting my own artwork. I just went to work in galleries after that, and also with art organizations such as Norske Bildkunstnere. And I've been working with, for example, Maria, Galerie Maria Veja for many, many years, and the Kunstnerforbundet. And also, I started with Frido Evers and also Jonathan Brewer in 2013, an artist-run space, Gallery Demon's Mouth. So I've kind of been on both the artist-run space side and the curator side. And I got really interested in this artist curator also because of um, Elena Filipovic's uh, research on the history of the artist curator, mm. where she claims that uh, the artist as curator has done a lot of things that's kind of been overlooked in mm. history or not acknowledged enough that artist when curating actually has made the exhibition into a medium that it is today. And uh, that freelance, freelance curators now I'm freelance curating a bit uh, at the time, and uh, yeah, uh, actually it's working as they are because of the artist as curator, because now you can use the exhibition more as a medium rather than what it was before the artist started to open up this area, in a way. And also long before the curator was uh, a power figure in the field like it is today. Mm. That's one of the, also one of the backgrounds for why I wanted to gather different artist curators for this to discuss how is the artist curator's role today, also in Los Angeles and Oslo. We we were in Los Angeles together, me and Frido, yeah. but we also saw yeah differences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Cool. So I'm Frido Evers. Uh, um, 
uh, I would, as I said, I wouldn't kind of frame myself as a curator, although I've organized, I would call myself also an organizer. I've organized many shows. One of my first ones was actually a show to Los Angeles uh, at, uh, at a place, Max uh, Presnell, who's not present here, was running, uh, called Raid Project Space. Project. Project, Raid Project, yeah, sorry. Thanks for the correction. Uh, no, no, it's yeah. just the way Max pronounces it. Yeah. Projects. 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 So, uh, so that was one of my... Um, and, and what I found out is that by organizing shows, actually doors would open, with all, which otherwise would be shut. Yeah. So I've always used it as a pragmatic tool to, to uh, you know, grab a couple of people and go somewhere interesting and, and experience something, uh, something great and, and do, do art uh, around that. Uh, so, so my my art practice is always the number one, and then but then I also yeah. So a couple of years ago we started Demon's Mouth. So then uh, we ran that for I was part of it for one and a half years, and then I actually had to get out because I, I noticed I have to make work. I mm. can't because when you run a space like that, you don't you you, you can't produce any work. It's quite consuming. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's really consuming. So. So even though I really enjoyed the process, I uh, I, uh, uh, I enjoyed making art more. Yeah. So and before that, I I, I used to work in an art space in the Netherlands, uh, through which I actually met Paul back in yeah early 2000, 2001, two or something. Yeah, it was something around there, and, uh, and that was my first entrance also to LA. And and ever since I've had a fascination for Los Angeles and and kind of exactly that different attitude which is there and. So that's also one of the big reasons why we have uh, LA Oslo yeah. instead of you know uh, uh, let's say New Tokyo uh, Oslo or whatever. Yeah, Oslo Berlin, which would be yeah, probably both easier. Than yeah, Berlin. right. <laughs> and there's a big connection there too. Uh, and uh, it might be it, it might not be as disjointed as LA and Oslo. Yeah, you know, I mean, there might be more common ground between Berlin and Oslo. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There's yeah, absolutely. I mean. Jan could still be in the show because he represents both. <laughs> yeah. No, so I, I started when I was in college doing my bachelor. I started working for a, a, an, an artist-run space institution that makes any sense called Artists Den Bosch, and I started out as a simple, uh, simple running man, and then uh, over the years I took over more and more of the, the product, the practical production side until I also got into the board, uh, choosing the exhibitions mm. and stuff. And uh, that I did till I came here. Uh, uh. So I've been always involved in, in the production of other people's exhibitions in one way or another, you know, either through my own initiation or through producing mm. it and stuff like that. So, so my side is really, I, I would say, the more the pragmatic uh, side of, of, of the organizing shows. Mm. So, and maybe uh, and you can say a couple of things about the uh, podcast you have been yeah, running here in uh, Oslo. And so, so uh, that's actually a good story. <laughs> just, I've told it many times, but the reason why I started the podcast was because I didn't want to start a gallery. Because mm -hmm. I figured out what I want, uh, what I want, to, what I like about a gallery is actually this: you sit down, you have a discussion about it, and you start to figure out, you know, what it means to be an artist, and, and you start to figure out kind of. Uh, what you show, how you showed, and and uh, and I found out putting a microphone in in front of people really helps having them there and having a concentrated com a conversation. Um, the last one I did was with Jan uh, not too long ago, just b before summer. I'm not sure how concentrated we got we were, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it was but a very nice chat. It was uh, <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, and of course uh, I started a podcast and uh, and two months later we started uh, Demon's Mouth <laughs> so so my strategy of not running a gallery didn't yeah, work yeah. out but <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice yeah. having you interviewing all the artists that we brought yeah. because and we brought artists from abroad to Oslo when we yeah. ran Demon's Mouth so th that was that was really interesting also with the gallery because then uh, uh, since we were three people we had three different kind of channels of artists coming our way and and that way was really a nice way to get to know the artists you didn't know because yeah, mm -hmm. often if you run a space you know it goes so fast you have you have to you have a chance to say hi and they have like a 15 minutes conversation about what they do maybe you look at their website but if you sit them down for one two three hours and you talk about their works and about their views and stuff like that you 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 I felt also you have a different uh, uh, possibility to present them uh, in the shows, you know, because you, you, not even that you might have communicated, but you have a different uh, attitude towards the whole thing. And I thought that was really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did one too, uh, Paul. Yeah. We, we, yeah, you're on there too as well somewhere. But we haven't done a proper, uh, there was a, it was where yeah, you was your reading. Yeah, you recorded a reading I did in a show that Inger Wallund made yeah. uh, when the space that used to be Demon's Mouth had become no, Percival Space. It was the other way around. Percival Space became Demon's Mouth. Yes. No. Is it? No. no. Yes. 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 Ah, we came right. after Percival Space. No, they were located yes. in, yeah, they a, in a, a gallery uh, or like a, in a room setting that has been sort of like consecutive several different yes. spaces. Yeah. Beginning from it starts with Melk, Melk yeah. and then Holodeck, yeah. and then yeah. Percival, Percival Space, and then Demon's then Mouth. Demon's Mouth. And, and now it's now the uh, owner lives there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's returned yeah. to a flat. Yes, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so that's my background. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and yeah, I think we. Um, yeah, sorry, John. Yeah. Did you, do you feel like the because the doing this in series of interviews? That's not just uh, curating. That is not just being an artist. That's almost like a. Um, uh, the work of, of a mediator or, or a mm. journalist. Mm. You feel that that has changed your uh, yeah, your thinking and maybe even the way people look at you or something. Does it affect anything? Does it change anything? Because something that's, that's a really good question actually. Mm. Because uh, being a gallerist changed perception really a lot. Mm. You know, all of you know when I went to the Netherlands meeting friends I knew as an artist from before, mm. which I studied with, and I met them, all of a sudden they changed their position towards me, because mm. I was a gallerist, which I, you know, and I, I had to really kind of get used to that, you mm -hmm. know, like yes. here in a setting here where you meet yeah. each other, you it's mean not... like as someone that can create opportunities? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you not experienced something similar, Paul? That's a good question. Um, well, just since you've been, you talked about how you really, really preferred this position in the studio, yeah. and then somehow through work and success ended up actually having a main responsibility for a gallery space. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, people did, I think, uh, respond to me differently, um, and I mean, definitely, galleries um, and art dealers would were much more willing to talk to me mm. as as a curator, as an organizer, rather than as an artist. Because yeah, um, they could kind of move their yeah. artists to, towards... Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and artists responded to me differently mm -hmm. as well. Um, I think actually artists really responded to me in a very positive sense because they understood that I was, I was organizing exhibitions with, but from their point of view, and so they were very easy to work with. Mm. I thought most of the time because I I always let them know that I was that I was 
um, organizing an exhibition from, from an artist's point of view and not from a curator's point of view. And so they were usually um, much more receptible, you know, receptive mm-hmm. to, to me um, and what I was doing. And I always found most of them very easy to work with. And this is also a really good question for you, Carl. Yeah, I because, thought so too. Because we were talking about kind of how uh, people, uh, if people started reacting uh, differently, which role you have. And you, of course, most people know you as a curator. I mean, how did that role change when, when you, uh, uh, you know, well, put uh, the art, art more on the front? I, I think it, um, it runs probably about 50-50 in terms of the reaction to negative and positive. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, some people see it as a, a you know, a, a loss of maybe that I'm going to, you know, focus more on my art than the curating, and then other people see, uh, uh, don't just don't see me in that role as making art, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but uh, you know, I don't really worry about it too much because I'm I'm at an age right now where. If I don't do something now, it you know what? There's no point. I mean, from a strategic standpoint, to to get things out there, you know, uh, uh, you know, you, you can always make art. It doesn't mean you have to show it. Doesn't mean you have to sell it. But mm-hmm. but if you want to at all participate in the system, you have to jump on board at a certain point. And and I uh, so at this point, I really don't care what people say. Mm. You know, because uh, I think my record as a curator, my consistency uh, of what I've done, and you know, uh, is self-evident. So, at least of the people that know me, you know, uh, it, this this year I, I worked at a gallery for two and a half years. This gallery, then I left. What was it, about six months ago? Mm-hmm. And I've done eight curated projects. Yeah, since then. Since then. Yeah. So, uh, in three different countries. Yeah. So, it hasn't at all slowed down. Yeah. Um, I I think, you know, curating a show and curating a show, I feel like, are two different things. Like, if you organize a show with artists that you know, and you put something together, and you give it a title... That's one thing. But if you curate a show where you don't know the artist, where you really have a theme, you look for the artist, mm. that's another thing. Mm. You know, so depending on, like most shows that I've done are on the side of like, oh, I know these three artists, I like their work, I'm going to put it somewhere. And I think most shows that artists, curators curate are like that. So it's not really the role. Like, you know, I, I've always kind of thought like, what is a curator? Uh, and, and one of the definitions to me, like a professional curator, mm. is someone that, that gets paid to do it mm. full time. You know, or, or it's part of their job, their full time job to do it. So, uh, and when I was thinking about that, I, I had a full time job as a curator, mm. uh, paid. <laughs> yeah. and, and I thought to myself, how many people in LA really get paid full time as a curator? As a curator. And then if you say Paul wasn't even full time, but no. it's maybe half time. Yeah. That's even rare. Yeah. You know. So I think you know, it's a privileged position to be in a, as mm-hmm. a full time curator. So now you have the role of the artist curator and 
and I think it's an important role, and I think it defines certain kinds of exhibitions, and it opens it up for the artist to, to, to do this quasi-curatorial artist thing. Um, I think that's a very interesting thing, but in terms of like, curating has, I, I call m myself more of an organic curator. I'm not, in fact, I don't have an art degree. I'm probably the only one here that doesn't have some kind of art, art degree or uh, in the arts, you know, but uh, so, uh, so for me, like this, this, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought there, but for me, the idea of, of, of a curator, or my organic curating, let's talk about, mm -hmm. it, it's, I don't come from the discipline of an art history background, although I took a lot of art history classes, and I'm pretty good in art history, but uh, I think that is sort of the, a role of, of, of the old-fashioned, not old-fashioned, I mean, it's still relevant, but it's like I, when I did study it's art more history. more the, the curator in the big institutions and museums. Yeah, yeah, where there are uh, specific history. historical things that they mm -hmm. need to cover. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh, we talked, uh, how we, um, the, something we talked about earlier uh, among, us, among ourselves was a uh, why artists curate sometimes yeah. and it's sometimes it's because the sort of the new scene doesn't uh, really feel represented you know mm -hmm. they 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 are they're straight out of the art school or even in art school and they start to, they want to do like to show but then they would need somewhere to show and sometimes some of the artists uh, instigate say in, uh, or in, initiate some mm -hmm. some, uh, some some exhibitions and end up curating like some of us have been doing. Most of us have been doing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because there's nobody else to to, to display yeah. our work. It's uh, this catch twenty two. Like you know, nobody's going to show you if you don't have a track record. Yeah. And you can't get a track record if you don't show. Yeah. So, and, and that. And Can I just I, ask? You're talking about like how the artist run space works in Oslo. No, just why artists like why uh, start. Why art uh, artists <coughs> are curating? Because it, it is kind of a cheat in a way. Mm. You know, it's a cheat to get to get ahead. <laughs> Is there yeah, such a thing as cheating in the art world? Unless you're plagiarizing, is there such a thing? Well, and yeah, even I somebody could argue that. But I'm curious about Carl's, like, uh, how did you, how did the first show you curated came up, come about? Uh, what was that? Was why did somebody ask you to curate something if you didn't have the background either that you uh, that you mentioned that you don't? Well, because I was already working in in a gallery right. and I knew artists right, and right. we found a space to curate in. Mm -hmm. You know. But so then the question is, how did you come into the gallery in the first place, maybe? Uh, I was taking art history classes and I was yeah. working in the art history department. Yeah. So, uh, so you do have yeah, a degree of sorts. Well, I have a degree in, in pre-law, but I don't have the degree in art history. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and I, I don't even have a minor in art. I took nine <laughs> art history classes. Yeah. Well, my brother's an artist, and I worked for him when I was a kid, and so it's in the family, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, so it was a world we were familiar with to start with. Yeah, but not really. I mean, the thing that's really interesting, I feel like, in the end, it's always better to go to art school. But I think I have certain advantages. Uh, having not gone to art school because I was not sort of formed into a way that, particularly in LA, the art schools tend to produce a certain. Yeah, type. and Paul can testify to that totally. Yeah, and, and that's and one I, of the things that I really loved about working with Carl is that he wasn't 
he wasn't subjected to all the BS of the art world, and he kind of looked at things with a really fresh, from a fresh point of view, non-academic. Yeah. And it was it, to me, it was a little bit unfiltered because of that. And I, I like the the. To me, it seemed a lot more honest. This is also that. a question for because you two are basically, I think, the ones who left the institution most recently. Mm-hmm. How do you? How do you? Um, how do you think that kind of influenced your your role as a as an organizer, as a curator, or as a uh, coming out of an art school? Yeah, because you're the, the one least removed from from the institution. Well, I, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I guess you are also in a similar position somehow. Um, I would say that uh, I'm not completely agreeing with the way you are framing it as saying that it's sort of like a way of getting ahead or in this kind of like competition mode. Mm. I think you also, when you, I mean, I was traveling for a long time, doing residencies abroad. Mm. I was sort of like coming back to Oslo and I had this network, these connections, these friends. And I was Mm. sort of like invited in to be part of running the gallery. So podium. So in some ways also a way of having some place to stand, some place yeah. to work in yeah. the space. But I think it's also for me and Ignaz and Aya, it's, it's also sincere interest into sharing our, um, our knowledge in establishing some kind of like, uh, like rock ground mm. that we can also like share with other people to stand on. But of course it also changes how how you see the uh, like the potential of doing things you also see you see at the same time both sort of like the art scene of Oslo and you see things you want to bring out things you want to get more attention towards Mm. in Oslo there's been a very strong presence of like new abstraction in many of the art spaces and so on uh, in addition to the museum spaces, but at the same time, there are so many other things going on, and they've mm. really been sort of like drowning in this flood mm. uh, of new expression. Uh, I think it also belongs to the story that the Norwegian uh, education system has a severe weakness when it comes to uh, teaching cultural uh, subjects. Mm. They are really just like cutting this away quite strongly, so you end up having children not even. Uh, knowing the first thing about like art or art history or literature and so on. This yeah. is a problem. It's also actually a democratic problem because you get <laughs> a gap in... But I, I don't think it's a uniquely Norwegian problem Probably either. Not, but this is no. I think it's, this is like first world countries have, have issues with this. Yes. Because, it, because it, it's not pragmatic. You know, it, it doesn't involve capital. It doesn't involve survival skills. Yeah, you but know. you have a lot of schools that will, um, like in Paris, for example, oh, you can't That's apply. the exception. <laughs> you can't apply if you're over 30 or something, or 35. And if you do, then you need a special, does it call like derogation or something. So there has been like, but I, I think it's quite recent. I had like schools? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, I, and actually, I was quite surprised when I came here. I mean, I was one of the youngest students but there, there was also like yeah, other students that were much older and I, I loved that. I studied with one who was 54. Mm. Yeah and also my friend, Scott. I mean became my friend, Axel Hagenhau, he was like 40 something and he, he did study, to sc- he did when he did go to art school before and then he had a great uh, uh, career and then he, when he wanted to go back to school mm. uh, for pragmatic reasons because mm. he didn't have any place to work and you have a lot of you have a great you have great facilities at art school and 
you have feedback and you meet people and you have projects that you would not Workshops. think of doing this work, this, yeah. this fucking project, and then suddenly you have to do it, it's mandatory, about that. you have to do it. <laughs> There's a tradition of that in France too, Gauguin didn't become an artist until later in life as well. Yeah, in, but now it's different. I mean, in France, you, it's like, it's mostly very young people. And then you also have this whole PhD thing where people jump into a PhD like very young, like... Yeah like my age or something and, and you're supposed to be no. super smart or I'm very no, I'm not really even the PhD also the master already right? the, yeah. the people go from bachelor straight into the master yeah. that's yeah. very common now well, yeah it's well, very common and I mean you have also art spaces or you know that I mean they do requ- they like serious art spaces I'm talking like they do look at your um, academic background as well I mean it becomes like the, the master is the proof that you <laughs> did something, mm. you know. Yeah, well, that, that's so I think that's a little bit... That's, a, that's the way that a lot yeah. of uh, uh, so curators and, and galleries look at artists in hmm. L.A. is where you went to school. Hmm. Yeah, so, it, yeah. So there's a, there's a pecking order, CalArts, hmm. UCLA, Art Center, Otis, hmm. uh, for a while USC was really up there. Um, Claremont, so there's a particular pecking order that, and then when you look at the artists that came from those schools, then, it, you know, it makes sense that there is this, you know, I mean, uh, Mike Kelly was at, was at uh, uh, CalArts and, and uh, other famous people were there, and then the people that teach, it becomes a position for them. Uh, UCLA had the best program of in West Coast of teaching, they had uh, they had uh, Chris Burden, they had John uh, mm. Baldessari, Charles mm. Ray, uh, others. It all becomes a self-enforcing myth somehow. Yeah, what's that? A self-enforcing myth, a myth about mm. excellence that will enforce well, itself I, I because know. you I also draw in then because there is indeed teachers. Well, well, I don't know about it being a myth because good. I think these are really great artists, you know. Yes, and so being like so, quite self-enforcing, so it just like creates like a, a monument that's yeah. Being, well, and I think uh, that's why they they have chosen to teach. You know, it was really mm. funny in L.A. There was uh, is that you become known as an artist, so you can get a great teaching position. Mm. In New York, yeah. is you. Uh, you become a great artist so you can quit teaching and so yeah. this has changed Mike Kelly all these well he's mm-hmm. dead but all of these people have left because they're making enough money now as West Coast artists that they really don't need the teaching yeah, position do you feel that the, the scene uh, I, as I understand the scene is really changing in LA well completely it? because you know I think the LA artists I think are at a standpoint now of the ones that have really made it are are competing equally with New York or London or wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, these artists are are big time, big galleries, um, which I think is an interesting conversation because, like, what is the goal of an exhibition? Mm-hmm. You know? What is the measure of success also mm-hmm. as an artist? Is it to make like the maximum no. amount of money? Well, it's and that—that's the question. That—that's the question because I think, you know, it's really interesting because I've had you know a lot of experience in Holland, and Holland is one of the most well-funded places. It used to be, yeah, for artists. But you know, when you look at Holland and you look at the artists, not very many of them are influential. Mm. Not anymore. Like. How Netherlands, as I understood but, but, but it, how the Netherlands came big was because of the State Museum. They funded like really the avant-garde for in a certain period of time. 
And but but and what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is like when you compare Belgium with Holland and you think about the artists from Belgium at the particular, let's say, last 30 years, mm. those artists are more internationally known than the most famous Dutch artists. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think part of that is because the mechanism that they created... That grew, grew out of that culture because uh, the Stedelijk Museum had the funds to kind of fund these really kind of avant-garde shows, you know, which nobody else in the world was doing. Plus, there was the funding system really early, which kind of made that the artists could also produce avant-garde work. They didn't have to engage with with any commercial uh, thing, and that became a, a really dirty word. And that is still ingrained into into the, the social artist side and the Dutch artist psyche a bit. You know, where where uh, you know, you you have to almost not be commercial successful. Do you want to be successful in the Netherlands? But you know. The rest of the world, of course, doesn't really care. Uh, <clears throat> I just want to... I feel like we're wearing off a little bit. Uh, yeah. uh, I, but I want to go back to this uh, this uh, idea or, or discussion about who, who where you teach, where you study, where, who's your teachers, or which school do you, did you attend? Because I think sometimes that... Uh, when I look at this, I think it's more about your peers. Mm. Of course, sure. Yeah, Charles exactly. Ray and Ch Chris Burton and uh, Paul McCarthy, those guys in LA, they produced. They are famous, you know, for for, the, for teaching and as as artists, mm. and they create cre and you critical. So. Can you name one woman, please? Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Oh, good point. Good point. I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, actually, this, I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I have never learned as much as I did when I began researching Adrian Piper. Uh, coming both out of like conceptual history and quite mm. recently escaped from America to uh, Europe to just avoid. Well, in UCLA, uh, you have Barbara Kruger, Barbara yeah, Alexis, Nancy Rubens. Yeah, yeah, Nancy, exactly. Just, you know, these names, yeah. they were just not on the tables. So mm. Mary Kelly. Mary Kelly, perfect, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure, mm. totally. Sorry. I agree. Um, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> no, it's important. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's my, my but the, thi the thing that's really interesting about about the history, let's say in LA, is that the women ran all the galleries. Hmm. You, you can't put it all on the men because when the Morton galleries in LA were Rosamund Felsen, there, there, there were uh, what's her name, uh, the one uh, Regan Projects. Regan Project. Well, that's a newer one. There's yeah, also yeah. Uh, the one. What's her name again? The one over in West Hollywood. Oh, uh, yeah. Right but there were like four of the Margot Levin. Margot Levin. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was. It was. It was in part. I think. Yeah, it was a totally male-dominated art world. But I, my, my experience has, has been, you know, that those are all old people. You know, Chris mm. Burton, all these people. He's dead, man. Mm. You know, but these are older. The new generation. I think it's 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 quite a shift. In particularly in LA, mm -hmm. you see, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, I mean, there's lot, there are lots of artists, and I think that that, but it takes, you know, it, it's a mindset of in the art world. It's not a women men thing. It's a mindset that has to change. Mm -hmm. In 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 the, I mean, it was really interesting. I did a show once uh, with one of your students actually was in it, and I I had a show. That had nine artists in it. Yeah, yeah, had nine artists in it, and it was a summer group show, kind of to bring out new new talent, kind of thing. And I did this show, and this artist who I represented, she called me up. Oh, that's so great! You're doing a show with all these women artists, all women artists in your show. Hmm. And I go, I go wait, and then I took the 
invitation card, I looked at it, and there were seven women artists in it, and the two male artists were Darcy. His name's Darcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one was Francis. So I think when you can get to that point in a discussion of curating, where you don't even remember if it's men or women. I had seven women artists in the show. I didn't really think about it being male or female yeah. or anything. And then by, by some weird coincidence, two of the male artists had names that are interchangeable. I think these are really... I think that was not my comment. All I said was, so far we haven't ha- mentioned... It was anecdotal to my, to my, mm-hmm. my examples. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, uh, I just want to emphasize how I think... The, 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 this peer community is more important. Could, is as important as who who's the teacher and where you study, because it's among your, your friends that where the discussion is more sort of current or mm-hmm. and maybe 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 fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you might be ignorant of things historically that you should know about. Quite likely. Uh, quite likely. Mm-hmm. But uh, but this is where like this this curator artist position. Uh, yeah, that's, also, that's also yeah. what you say. Yeah. I, mean, that you, yeah, you, uh, I might have sounded a bit cynical when I said it, uh, how I said it. And uh, you, know, you don't start organizing shows or curating shows if you don't love it. Yeah? There, there needs to be love, otherwise it's very hard to do. Mm. Right? Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, and you do it also to kind of... Uh, what we did with Demon's Mouth is we wanted to focus on, on international artists mm. because, uh, yeah, because we were of the opinion yeah, that was somehow lacking here. Mm-hmm. and n- not not on all levels but on that level where we were operating there was mm-hmm. yeah there's not out of practical reasons often or, or, yeah. or also out of connection uh, yeah, if you have those connections right mm-hmm. and uh, just what you said you've been traveling around you make mm-hmm. you make a completely new network and you bring that uh, to the scene mm-hmm. yeah, which is a very valuable part of, of being an artist because you, know, yeah. you yeah you what you say you spread you spread the word in a way and you kind of mm-hmm. yeah Actually, I just want to jump on what you said because um, when I studied here, um, there was I had no theory, mm. and I had because there was no classes in English. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so with my teachers, I mean I had great teachers, but um, uh, and they are all gone now. Um, there was Aaron Bergman, mm. who was an international artist. I mean, he was not Norwegian. Yeah, he's uh, teaching in Seattle now. now he's teaching mm. in Seattle um, with his wife Alejandra Salinas, mm. and I had uh, yeah Jasper Alva. He was more, not really a teacher. He was like the MA uh, how coordinator, you call coordinator mm. but mm. he was really into like bringing us to more like international context. Mm. Mm. Uh, I, ha- I had Henrik Jacobson, but. I didn't attend. Yeah. I don't think like he was yeah. teaching. But you, was you were you were the last bit. I think it was after you he, he left. He left yeah. as well. Yeah. So I I was with. The, but we were not really. They were not. I mean, I was not attending any classes because there was no classes in English, and I was not going to start writing my MA thesis in Norwegian, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, so what Jesper did is that he sent us around. <laughs> In great stuff, we had lots of trips, mm-hmm. and actually, the most important was uh, the, the the other students. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we were doing stuff together, yes. yeah. and that's what matters the most. I think in our school is, I mean, of course, it's it's a plus if you have great teachers. <laughs> I would say, but even if you would not have like these big names, I, I'm very skeptical to these yeah, important probably. artists being interesting teachers. I think that there is a very big difference because. Mm-hmm. I've been in different schools. I've been in the BA in, in France, and then I studied my MA in France in mm. a school that is supposed to be like 
high class, mm. but you know, I left <laughs> as soon as I could. Then I came here, and then I studied in Netherlands for two years, right after yeah. my MA here. And again, I mean, it's, the, the MA in, in Netherlands was like one week per month, so we would all come together. Uh, it was called the, it's called the Dutch Art Institute, and the most important were also the people. I mean, we were coming from all over the world, yeah. uh, one week per month, and it was a super radical format without any atelier space. Mm. We were sleeping in the same place. It was like a little bit claustrophobic, but it was only yeah. one one yeah. week, so we could handle it. Could it. Handle it yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's the, the all the connections I have now. I yeah. just. Students I started, that I started to yeah. continue to work together, and yeah, did, so the only thing, if you have like a uh, like a Chris Burton as a teacher, you know, it opens up like a certain different kind of international interest, which is which is harder yeah. to obtain if you if you so don't. I don't know because you know, but the quality that I'm, I'm trying yeah, to point to, and yeah. Frankfurt has some of the same mm, thing. Yeah. You are sort and of like uh, you are drawing so much attention that it becomes yeah. like self satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very well. I'm very skeptical to yeah. this because. In Paris, they have this this way of working where they have these big names, and then the big names are supposed to give classes and stuff. But they're not there. They're not. They, they have no relation with the place. I mean, they come once in a while. All the students are producing almost like the same works than their master. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some friends that went to the to the MA in the Central Paris School, and I mean they had to they retrograde they retrograde them. So instead of I mean they they applied for the MA, but the, the school was like, oh, you're just gonna start all over again from the first year BA because that's not good enough, you know, because the other schools in the in in France or in the I world are not good enough, enough yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, and then you're going to start to work with these great artists, and then the great artist is never there, yeah. pff, doesn't care, it's, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think it's also like... But I mean, you, you're like... Um, uh, Joseph Beuys, he was a very engaged uh, teacher and a big name, so you, you, can, you have... You, you can know. always find, of course, good examples, but I don't mm. think... That I don't think that can be the only strategy to no, make no, a good no. art school. Of course not. And it's also about this kind. Of, you have this old Greek myth about iron, or uh, this uh, uh, connection of inspiration, where you have the artist as being inspired by the god, and then uh, by this inspirational force, quite like magnetism. Anything you touch will sort of like relay that energy somehow, and it can only distribute by like personal touch. Mm-hmm. And the Christian Church has some of the same idea, right? You can only sort of like instigate a priest by this mm-hmm. kind of like direct t- direct touch mm-hmm. tradition somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's an idea about like artist quality that we need to dispense with. Mm-hmm. But it's still very very active, and it sort of like helps to see the history behind it somehow, or mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. understand where these thoughts are coming from. To also be able to analyze them and understand why they are not helpful or maybe they are helpful mm. yeah. yeah I mean uh, I don't know I think like the, the school here has has clearly made a from my point of view has made this decision to try to bring as mm. many as international teachers as possible which I think is a good mm. thing because it opens up different I mean the first different angles obviously like different ways of yeah. working different networks and stuff but I'm also like I think it's also important to have a relation to the scene here and I mean not that people have to live here and you know forget their life from before and it's it is a big step to move to Oslo mm. when you live in Europe because I mean come on <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Um, but I mean, it, it's also a little bit sad that people just fly in, you know, once in a while. I think that's just a little bit. Why we shouldn't talk too much about the teachers and teaching? Well, you know, I was just thinking. I'm just about saying, thinking about this this whole thing of having a relationship with people. I mean, we're talking about like bringing bringing people in, creating creating different dynamics. But can I just can I just like rewind a bit because yeah. the reason we began talking this was because Jan was asking us if we could say something about like where we were educated and who was our masters. And so yeah. I would just like to know like what was the interest in that question or why did you think why did you want to bring that to the table? Um. And then maybe we can go on to something <laughs> else. Remember. Uh, <laughs> like, well, I wanted to yeah because uh, I just wanted to say that the, your your fellow students mm. are, are more your peers are mm. more could be more uh, or often are more influential more, in yeah. the long run yeah to bring it back to the artist curator also mm. with your peers often you start these art spaces you start you know the first uh, uh, shows you you program you uh, you are organize mm. uh, you know, it's often you know. with people you know or at least partly with people you know I was mm. like the first show I did with uh, at, at uh, Max's place in LA I knew half the people <coughs> and I also approached people I didn't know because mm. I also wanted to use it as an opportunity to kind of uh, uh, make a new network mm-hmm. and also to of course as I said for me it's strategy always, <laughs> for, for me it's always been a pragmatic approach you know like uh, I really love doing art and, and I, I like to travel the world and I like to uh, and so how do you get it done and I like to work with people and, mm. and well if you put them together you get these kind of events you know and and so, but also to use that as an opportunity to kind of uh, uh, broaden your peers, to get more peers, to get yeah. So you can also use it as a, mm. as, a as an Find expanding a tool. Also. Yeah, there exactly. There is also a family. I mean, not family as a strict thing, you know, but like there are ways of working. There, there is. I think I would. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on your initiative. If I, I mean, podium existed before, but your well, I changed. You, yeah, it has changed through the years and. I think there is a certain generosity also because in in some ways I feel like producing art can also close you down in a way like you can get very focused on yourself and you have this kind of narcissistic self you know that mm. you know that you think your work is the most important and it's so important that you have to show it and mm. you know and in this way it's also often very hard to take criticism and things like that but mm. I think in in doing this kind of initiative you need to really open up also and like accept that <laughs> with something else you than do, yourself you have to become but, a bit more humble yeah, yeah and I think that's that's very important and it's I would say healthy you know it's like mm. yoga and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> Yoga for the artists. I guess, yeah. I guess uh, curators who are artists, uh, we are, or, or many of us might be less academic than, than people who come from art history or mm-hmm. advanced uh, higher education because they, they might sort of end up in the positions of curating because they, they are getting jobs within institutions mm-hmm. like museums and stuff. Mm-hmm. While we are, it's clear that from the discussion, we are often artists become curators because they are looking for a way to, to, uh, to uh, sort of uh, communicate uh, either their own voice or their peers or something mm. like that. Mm. And then eventually you start to get connected like you did and, uh, and mm. you did uh, and you, you end up in the commercial art world even, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's, uh, I think that's, that we have to be aware that <coughs> this discussion would be very different if there was a, 
if Rike was making serious comments on, <laughs> on curating <laughs> and, and uh, because, which I think she might <laughs> and we should be aware of that uh, because this, the, this, this but we're, you're talking about curators coming from a curatorial yeah. an academic point of view yeah. rather than from an artist point of yeah, view because yeah because there's something that about the way we're talking that is about self-sustaining or, or sust mm -hmm. you know managing uh, becoming getting somewhere you yeah know? but in that getting well, somewhere you also also relay a message, a bigger message than just yourself, because you are part mm -hmm. of, of a, of yeah. a, of a mm -hmm. movement, you are mm -hmm. part of a, of, a, of a thought process, or maybe a school even, or, or things, mm -hmm. and, and by kind of expanding your field of influence, so not only your, what you say, just showing your own art, but also mm -hmm. kind of connecting or that to, thinking to, to peers and kind of yeah. testing it out with peers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because so there's something challenging, I think, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I always think about my work as being very shitty, and when I see people that are that I mean to, I mean, I want to see, I, I want to exhibit them, or I want to show their work, or their gigs, mm. or their concert. I think there is something challenging in that as well. Like you, you are with your peers, and you confront yourself with other people, and you, con you confront different people, different scenes together. And I think that's very important. And that's not maybe happening in in bigger institutions and artist-run space, for example, because. Um, yeah, for, for, for lots of different reasons, but there is also something that is at risk uh, mm. in many cases and uh, many cases and uh, yeah. Mm. I'm very sympathetic uh, to the artist-run spaces and initiatives because I feel like they are they are risking a lot more. Mm. They're yeah. they're often showing unknown people exactly. or uh, people are very early on and uh, giving people more freedom, of course. Mm -hmm than institutional shows does or commercial exhibitions do. Mm. Talking about risk, they're also often financing their situation by mm -hmm. wage labor yeah. instead of mm. having money from inheritance <laughs> or from whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's free work you do, work, this work is all yeah. free. I think the free labor thing mm. is, is an important uh, component yeah. because we it's been lots of discussions, uh, you know, um, what, what was called uh, the NBCO uh, Arbeitsland Okay, there was, yeah, I mean, there is, there has been lots of discussion, like, artists and curators always should be paid and stuff like that, but, I mean, when you come to, to an artist space where people are, people that work there are not being paid, the space, you know, everybody ship in the little money they have, maybe to rent, to rent the space and stuff like that, I mean, a lot of the biggest exhibitions as well are being made by, with free labor. I mean, when we read Documenta, mm. uh, you remember when we worked there, yeah. uh, some of that, for some of us were like, three or four months or like how long is the document yeah. yeah it's quite long it's quite long yes. right and they had this uh, maybe education program 100 days 100 days 100 days so it's it's in your life it's kind of long yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and and so they had this maybe education program which i think was great because then we were expanding our uh, our little network in a way with other students and stuff like that but we were working for free for artists as well yes so it was like, like a, say, it's oh, also a way to from Kiyu we uh, had the freedom to just you get the, you get yeah, the time it, I mean I'm not saying it's a bad thing but it's something also to con but, consider yeah. as, as mm. like uh, you know yeah, I guess as you, Carl, you you you're you're here at the table. I think the only one, yeah, yeah and you, Paul, as well, who've been paid on a regular basis of being a curator, right? And well, and yeah, I, I didn't think about it, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I thought it was a labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> the thing in in, in uh, you know, I've, I've curated far more shows for free than I have 
for uh, paper. I can attest to that. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> all over the place. And I put my own money into it, yeah. and mm -hmm. I paid for shipping and, and, and whatever, and, you know, all aspects <clears> of the show. In L.A., you know, we don't have any support, zero. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. no support, uh, uh, I want to say zero, point one percent. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the artist, every artist initiative is some kind of, uh, you know, you either teach or you... You do something, you know. Lucky if you're lucky, you have some money from family or whatever. Mm. Uh, like you said, an inheritance. Uh, but it's very difficult there, you know. Um, uh, most of the art artist initiatives, you know, it's just built into what you do. You built in a day job into being an artist, mm -hmm. into being an independent curator, uh, into just doing about anything. And and a lot of people teach. Other people. Uh, wait tables at a restaurant. I know an artist, very good German artist. She still worked in the same coffee shop since she moved to LA five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's difficult, you know, but because everybody else is in the same boat, mm -hmm. you know, it it becomes, you, yeah. it becomes part of the norm. And, and but, but how do, how is that supportive community? Because, you know, if, if, if there's no funding at all, how, is there a lot of that you kind of help each other out there, or is it more that you're it's each on their own? Everybody's on their own. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I think it's true. Yeah. Don't, don't you? I mean, everybody's on their own, and they're all kind of finding their own way to to, to make ends meet in one way or another. You know, um, um, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of us are teachers and um, and enjoy it. And the, I mean, I think the sad thing is that a lot of them stop making artwork after they start teaching. Yeah. You know, I, the, mm -hmm. you don't find the Still time. Or you, yeah, you know. the time or the energy. I mean, but but everybody's I mean, like, under. There is, there is one idea about like success. That is, as an artist, your only measure of success can be if you are able to continue making art. Yeah. I, I see it as, a, as success is longevity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The last one standing wins. There's this. Book by this Dutch author, I don't remember his name, but the, the title is "Why Artists Are Poor," and he makes a claim. Oh, um, um. Thingy, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, he he makes this claim that like like sports, art is like a winner takes all economy. You know, so oh, that's um, absolutely true. So, mm -hmm. uh, and that's why most of us are you know put in a labor of love. You know, either mm -hmm. curating or you know uh, paying for our own productions, of course, uh, without getting any. Sales out of it, or any any sure sales out of it, and, and uh, so that that so and that labor of love is, I think, everywhere the same. Although here you get more fundings sometimes, like sometimes here, yeah, you get a grant for one or two years or whatever, so you can do more of your stuff. So you have to le work less, but that you know that money runs out too. So it's mm -hmm. it's also it's also um, it can also be uh, kind of a trap, yeah, because mm -hmm. you. Uh, uh, well, I think that was the thing I was trying to point out about Holland. That you know, with yeah, its great art, a good art support, you know, it really, in some way, look. There's always because this question would come up when I gave lectures in Holland at, at art schools. So, well, in L.A., it's all commercially driven by collectors. We, we had this discussion at the Sandberg. Yeah, yeah, Sandberg, exactly. Uh -huh. And and as part of what I said, well, you're basically making artwork for people on the committee. You know, and, and this year it's the uh, it's this political issue that's important, and the next year it's this issue. So it's like, how is it any different? Who are those people on the committee? They're not collectors, 
but but they're people that have a viewpoint, that have an idea. They're not the perfect examples. And a lot of times the people that are on committees are longevity. They, they've stuck around. They haven't become really successful artists, so they they get these positions in these committees. And I think in some way it's 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 a it produces a different kind of artwork. Yeah. It produces it's artwork that's mainly this idea about the uh, scientific journal and the peer review. Mm-hmm. And in Norway, the idea of the peer jury is extremely important to distribute these funds. So it's not like you have a random selection, or it hasn't been so far that the case, or a political selection, but you actually have a peer review. Mm-hmm. And that has some carries some weight. I but think. that also shows that this, the grant, of course, Norway is a rich country, but that's also why there's still a political will. Well, oh, there's, there's a distribution of the raw uh, raw material industry that doesn't only go to a select few owners, if that's mm. what you mean with rich companies. Uh, no, but it, uh, um, <laughs> uh, the, way, the reason that the funding is still there is because, uh, first of all, there is money. If a country is really poor, you can want whatever you want. But also there's a, a will and an engagement and a peer involvement mm which makes it kind of validate. And I think that's one big problem, for example, in the Netherlands, where, where um, uh, that was some kind of dissociated, you know, where somehow the, uh, uh, the artists, I often felt that the artists didn't go to their own shows even. Hmm. You know, oh, yeah, you were mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's really insulting. You, 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 you know, I don't go to shows or whatever. You know, and and why, if you don't go to your own shows, why should anybody else yeah, want of course. them, right? And so my first experience yeah. when I came here and I went to like the artist run space and whatnot mm. and they were like, like they were packed and people were engaged and were kind of, yeah, there was a completely mm. different kind of attitude here. And I think that, that some of that lies in also in that, in that peer review, how it's set up here, that mm. it's actually, it's not, uh, it's not so far removed as it maybe is in the Netherlands. Or, or But I think in Netherlands it's also... I mean, actually, what, what's interesting is that what saved most institutions is the educational programs. Mm. Huh. Um, like and what the, are they like? Or what, what well, you know, like the, what's the name of the, um, the Rijksakademie? Rijksakademie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they went almost under, yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they saved their, their fundings by claiming it as more educational than what it was before. Before it was sold just as a residency. Yeah. Now it's sold as a post... Postgraduate. Postgraduate program, which is yeah. something very different. Yeah. And you have uh, you have institutions that disappeared completely, like SCORE, yeah. which is the Kourou that we have here. Mm. And it turned into TAC, which is... Has my friend runs that. Theo. he's a friend too, yeah. Yeah, but they have a big educational program. I mean, it's like half of their program is educational. And um, and I don't know if it's really like the motivation that makes Norway still have this funding. I don't think so. I think it's the org- the organizations that are really powerful. Mm. Um, But why are they powerful? Because you know people are engaged and people are yeah are people are engaged. People were engaged and stuff. But I think Netherlands too. But the, they didn't think, manage to engage the public, which is a different thing. I think I think Maybe. people were people were going to shows, but it was artists and cultural scene kind of thing and we will have the same problem here at yeah, the same time because I, I it's hard to engage public as well I, I think mean, that's a real interesting thing because I mean it's it's almost embedded within the contemporary art world that it becomes more and more its own thing and it separates itself from the I, and I had experience having worked in a in an art center where we taught classes to mm-hmm. non-professionals mm-hmm. and I, I would get attacked all the time 
in terms of oh, that stuff isn't real art. I will tell you what real art. I know what art is. I know what art is. It's what I like, you know. And so you you have this thing, and the the and I understand it. I understand that that the art world, with particularly it it, it becoming part. I mean, the MF, MFA program has become so. Uh, uh, the new academy, you know, mm-hmm. for me. I mean, it, it, it's like this thing that separates it so so far from the general public, mm-hmm. and and so uh, that's how the money gets in Holland too. I, they have to do this. They have to yeah. show the relevance of yeah. art to the general public. Mm-hmm. So they have to do this education thing. Yeah. That's already been going on in America for years. Except there, they're not as they don't integrate. It's like. They want there's art. If artists get funding, they get funding to do murals in inner city places. That's where they would get uh, mm. city money. people can relate to. Yeah, so they'll make some kind of mural in, in East mm. LA, and artists will get paid to do that. And so, but that whole art world isn't. I mean, there's so many different art worlds. Yeah. It's like those people doing that are not at all related to the MFA programs. You know they don't cater to that. So then you have other. It's 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 complicated. And like, uh, in fact, I just talked to the cultural attaché of the Dutch embassy. I mean, the American embassy in uh, in uh, in Holland uh, for this show. Uh, he, he opened the show that I helped put together, and I I told him, well, I've I've been involved in sending artists to Holland. I'm involved with this residency in Rotterdam where I've sent seventy artists, Paul being included in that from LA over the last 14 years mm-hmm. never with one bit of funding from anybody mm-hmm. you know I didn't pay for the it's a self-pay thing but I organized it and I did all this stuff and then and then when I asked the guy do you want to you know maybe you guys can throw something against this and help he said well you know we can certainly do something if there's an education program mm-hmm. that they the they interact oh, with the kids workshop <laughs> yeah kids workshop and and that's that to me is like but this, is, this is also an interesting thing because we, we because as, cool. as cura- <laughs> curators and stuff like that because uh, if you're self-curating you run a run a, an art space you know uh, yeah you go there where you find funding maybe like uh, and and uh, um, so the question is should should you go after that or should you kind of be stubborn and well just I'll tell you what I told the guy I said look there might be artists that would be willing to do this mm. would be willing or have it within their interest as yeah, yeah. as, as artists you know to extend out and they may have ideas about that but that doesn't mean I'm going to send over only artists that that do some kind of public engagement or public Mm -hmm. practice artists Mm -hmm. you know if a painter wants to go there and he doesn't give a crap about the public and he just wants to make his paintings then let them go too you know and this this is an interesting thing because I don't want to turn this this thing that I've been working on for so many years into some somebody else's program Mm -hmm. and and but you know, it w- if they can somehow support it in some way uh, mm. to focus more attention to it, and there are artists that are willing to, to do it, or, yeah. or that already have that within their practice, you know, mm. to engage. Uh, but that that is a huge issue, I think, because yeah. you know, you as a curator, do you want to be dictated by somebody else's, you know, uh, mm. ideas? Yeah. You know? But also as a school. curator, you yeah yeah. 
Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Well, isn't isn't also like the idea of arts, art for art's sake? Isn't it always, always, already always also a political idea or idea about like non-connectivity that it can just spring out of nothing somehow? And it also sort of uh, contains but, but, this idea but, about the society, individuals. What are we doing? What are we making? For whom are we making it? And so on. And it's mm. also interesting to see this idea around the educational program. If you're thinking about like in Paris after the uh, uh, revolution and you were sort of like mm. distributing the king's collection or the collection of art made by the aristocracy and then you are sort of opening it up to say that now we shall educate the working class so that they can become also citizens mm. or that they, they need input to be able to partake in society somehow and the art will do this. And there's an interesting like lack of history somehow in this idea of like what is art doing, why are art being made and so mm. on, and what mm. is it doing mm. with the minds of the people who are working with it. No, I, I think this so really on. relates to this role of artist curator, because mm. there is something there which does something within the field, you know, and uh, which which we don't have real control. And that I think that's also what we try to to kind of maybe touch upon. But know? again, uh, <coughs> if you think if you uh, regarding what uh, why are we doing this? And yeah, back in the days, we were commissioned by the church or by some few rich people. Mm-hmm. And then, as a few hundred years later, we are doing it in order to make money mm-hmm. for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Is it really still doing it for arts, or are we doing it for survival? Is it our mm-hmm. job, or is is the art more true and honest now than it was even before? You know, the church was uh, commissioning. Uh, Mm-hmm. Art, like back in the Greek, Greek days, days of the Greek masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did they do those things again? Maybe the cavemen were the most free artists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, making ritual paintings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, or maybe that's just a myth. Yeah, maybe that's our, maybe they were just fooling mm-hmm. around. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but um, just back to this uh, idea that some of the European uh, nations sort of uh, sp- sponsor art uh, and provide funding. Sure, they do, but they also it might, might come with commitments or uh, or sort of rules, you know, that are limiting to art. Either. Sure, yeah. Uh, so that's negative, I think, for sure. But I'm also thinking that aren't, isn't in LA then, since we're talking about LA specifically sometimes, and we should be maybe uh, it might be really <laughs> interesting for a lot of people. Um, aren't these huge private institutions in LA? What's their What's their Sort of place in this whole uh, scene, like the like the, Getty, the, bro- the, the Getty, the, the Broad, Broad uh, Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, LACMA, because yeah. uh, I understand that they are also fighting each other and stuff. From what I understand, yeah. Well, and uh, th- don't they find a use for like in in the independent scene and sort of maybe attracting artists? Mm. They could do that. They could be a strategy to sort of to, to sort of open up and, and support uh, certain air scenes and, and and groups of people. And then no, they don't really. I think. think I, I mean, I think they're pretty disassociated really? from from, the from, scene. from artists. Yeah, I mean, there might be a, a few that are select. Because some of the people that we mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of the Merkelly and the, those people, they're on the board of those institutions, aren't yeah. they? So they should be, if they've been so influential as teachers, shouldn't they bring this influence with them into the institutions well, where they're? The, the institutions, they're, they're, they all have their own agenda. Well, I don't know, well, they all the have their own their own flavor. Eli yeah. Broad is a collector of famous artists 
and he collects usually bad pieces. I mean, it's been written about in the LA Times by various critics. He doesn't really get the best works, and he, you know, he loves Jeff Koons. He, so that's Eli Broad. He doesn't. He has. Uh, he collects. Has I think three collections. He has his, his personal collection that he has at his house. He has the Broad Museum that we all can go see, and then he also collects artists for his companies, and they have mm. art, and that's where artists that are lesser known, you know, he supports it. Mm. But he doesn't pick any of it, he, you know, he has a curator. Now, um, Mocha, you know, Mocha was Paul Schimmel, who now is partners at Hauser & Wirth. So, he, well, uh, you know, he had artists, uh, and they had programs that brought up unknown artists uh, that was, uh, uh, you know, and so Paul Schimmel was Mocha, and then mm. then they they and then then uh, this other guy came in. What was his name? Uh, Jeffrey Deitch. Yeah. He you know, and everybody was all enthusiastic about him, and he turned out to be a nightmare, and they and they mm. got rid of him. Mm -hmm. So then they hired someone they knew, and they've got a new curator, and Paul Schimmel is happily you know a couple blocks away in his at, at Hauser and Worth, and and he really defined a huge part of the LA art scene, uh -huh. and he's the, probably the best you know curator. Uh, in LA, but he know? didn't. Uh, he didn't open up for to 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 independent curators or in you know no. engaged in. The, no, he didn't provide for those. No. That would be more like the Hammer. The yeah, Hammer, Hammer Museum yeah. has a lot of young curators. Uh, they have a lot of projects they do. Um, so there, it, it's more. It's like if you can get a Hammer show as a young artist then that's a significant, and you have opportunities to do that. Mm. And it doesn't mean your career is going to make it or not, but so there's different, you know, each museum has its own kind of set of uh, circumstances. Uh, the L.A. County Museum is, is, is very, very uh, big. It has an encyclopedic collection, but it's really there, it's, uh, the director is very strong, mm -hmm. and he kind of determines a lot of things that happen there. And so he got rid of a lot of the older curators, brought in some new ones. But at LACMA, you don't ever think of the curators as being important mm -hmm. to the degree you might even at the Hammer. Mm -hmm. The curators at the Hammer Museum, as in the contemporary, you know, young contemporary scene, you're much more interested in those curators than mm -hmm. you are in LACMA's. Uh, but LACMA does some great shows that are more like uh, just fantastic shows of you know, known artists like James Terrell, they did a wonderful show. So it, it's, it's, it has a lot of layers. Now, we're also something new. I don't even know where the money's coming from. That There's this organization called LAX that shows a lot of young artists. It's very well funded. And then there's the Mistake Room, is this new thing where mm -hmm. uh, they just did a show of uh, um, Oscar Murillo, they did. And mm -hmm. I don't know where the money's coming from to do this, but there are people, and the guy running it is some guy that was not from L.A. So L.A. is getting some new things that I don't even really understand because I haven't really did a lot of, done a lot of research to find out about. And these are places, and I know their curator. Uh, 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 she used to curate for Peter Norton, was a, a known collector. Uh, so sort of the answer in L.A. is there is no answer. There's all sorts of people doing all sorts of different things. All with their own agendas. All right. On the on the basis of that, maybe we should. I think we've been talking for an hour and a half. So okay. uh, maybe I think 
is it possible maybe Merete you haven't been speaking so much so maybe you can make uh, this I think means that you have been listening very well so maybe you can make like a summary of what we have been talking about today before we end the recording yeah we're talking a lot about uh, the work in general and why we do it and uh, I also think we have brought up some differences between our scenes and also got a lot of information from our guys and from LA and I uh, hope they uh, got some Inside it's for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing that I, I, I did want to bring up, and it's a really interesting thing, that I have a friend who runs a, a space, artist-run space. Uh, it's very, it's, uh, his name is Ichiro Iri, he's a uh, Japanese-American. Uh, yeah, we've been to that place, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's shown people from Europe, Berlin, Finland, all, all, you know, he, he has strong connections in the South America, Latin America. Mm. and. And it's really interesting because he brought it up. I didn't bring it up. He's, you know, his openings are always well attended, but it always stops at a certain point. Mm. You know, it's like he gets a lot of artists there, artists love coming there, but it doesn't seem to go beyond that. And I think this is a very important part of, part of the discussion is like when you do things, what, what are your goals as a curator, mm. not as an artist, or as an artist? Mm. What are your goals to, to have all your friends see your show, to have your group? And Ichiro said to me, like, I, you know, asked me, can you, I think you can bring something else because of other connections that I have to, mm. to the table, that it goes beyond that group. And, and I find that for myself to be true, too. You know, I do a show, and the same familiar faces show up, yeah. And what now? What does that accomplish? And like when you've been doing it for almost thirty-five years, you know you're getting tired of just having preaching to the choir. Yeah. And so, what, at what point can you can you get new people to see for whatever your reasons are, whether it's commercial or just having your work be seen by new people or interesting people or influential people? It's all whatever your goals are. But I think this is a really interesting. Thing of like, mm. what are your goals as mm. an artist curator? What are your goals, and what what are you trying to get you know get out of it? And at what point? Yeah, and I think often that's not you know we we as we, uh, as artist curators we often don't formalize that maybe as as precise as we maybe maybe could do, or at least I recognize I you know I, I've always had my goals with it, but but uh, uh, I also found out my goals really lie in art so I switch back to art because that's, that's uh, where I can see the goal much further than I couldn't see you know what you say I couldn't see past that point with curating you know I, I couldn't see how to grow there in a sense and while with the art I can do that much better I think that I think that barrier is quite important kind of to, to see because also also because if you have that higher like the higher goal or a further away or a bigger goal it's maybe easier to um Now I lost my thread, sorry. <laughs> well, I just think it's an, an important point to realize why you're doing it. And, and in the end, uh, after you've done it for a lot of years, it's like, are you progressing? Are you moving forward? And I'm constantly frustrated with the fact that, you know, that's our, always our discussion. How are we getting further on what we're doing? And are we, you know, we do an exhibit, and what what is it just to do the exhibit? And, you know, everybody isn't a genius artist, you know, so... You know, you're lucky if you have one in a career that is really going to mean something to the art world. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of maybe jaded, but that's 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 like, you know, why are you doing it, and 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 how do you move it forward, and 
because otherwise, you know, we have a very interesting thing in, in, in our tax system. As an artist, if, if you can't show that you have a business at some point, after mm-hmm. a certain amount of time, you, it becomes a hobby. Yeah. It be, it's a hobby. hobby. Yeah. It's a hobby. Yeah. And you can't write <laughs> off your studio, your paints, and because it's a hobby. Yeah. You know? My yeah. wife is a tax expert. But, you know, there's a reason for that, you know, and I think it's a very interesting. Yeah. Like, if I continue to, to do shows for free, yeah, at what point? Is it a hobby? Yeah. Or am I really doing something that is. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's just a very interesting point. You, most of you, are, all of you are younger than I am, and so I think it's an interesting point to think about. It's how, you know, at what point, it, what is important to you, and how do you progress? I think that? that was also one of the first things you brought up the first time we talked about this project. You were asking, okay, what is, you know, uh, maybe it's not so interesting to do it just a show for a show. Well, what is the follow-up? You know, what is the what is the discourse? What is the, the talk around it? I don't know if you remember, but. Uh, First time we talked. <laughs> I Maybe. remember that I asked questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah you asked good <laughs> questions. Yeah. No, so, yeah. But anyways, on that note, I think we should just maybe wrap it up for today. Sure. Um, tomorrow, I think we have to... <laughs> uh, tomorrow, maybe we have to keep the talk a bit more concise. And well, that's up to the well, moderator, right? Yeah, 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 shut up. Yeah. 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 Just well, like, just have a signal so yeah, that yeah, I can yeah. stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. The bell. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. A buzzer. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> or, I think it's. I think it was very useful. Away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, too much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just afraid that it's going to be hard to re, you know, pick up the same points tomorrow. I feel, no, we we feel like we're going to talk. We well, from we were we were talking about that earlier today that we're not going to be able to pick it up. But surprisingly, everything came went in a different direction yeah, too, yeah. you know. And yeah. I, so I, I think, I think all the discussions were were really good. Yeah. And I think when you hear someone <laughs> making a point that you disagree with or have something else to add to, especially when right. you have an audience, you will want to yeah. to bring that to the yeah. table. Yeah. And I feel like we should be open to questions from the audience as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No. 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 The moderator well, decides maybe. that. Okay. Right. So you decide. No questions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no audience. <laughs> it's like it's like a web page without a commentator field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, <laughs> keep the trolls away. <laughs> keep the page. Yes. Yeah. Just with the commentator field. <laughs> Just with. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah, they could they could text their questions to Rick. <laughs> <laughs> They can send emails to uh, Kulturrådet. Yeah. 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 Y